Well, it's five o'clock, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for our first effort at Grace Moments with Pastor Rich. This is meant to be a far more informal, spontaneous, interactive way for us to be able to communicate together. Um, we've got a question and answers opportunity for you to be able to submit your questions. You're not going to be able to, to see those questions necessarily, but we'll be able to see them and be able to try to answer as many of them as you can. You can go ahead and submit your questions. Those questions can be about life, uh, the way of life, Christianity, uh, anything that you want to discuss at this point in time. It can be about the church. It can be about our community. Anything you want to talk about, feel free to ask in that. And we'll also have the chat feature. So if you want to make a comment, I mean, let's keep it classy, but you know, make, feel free to make comments, amens, encouragements, um, different things that you want to do. Feel free to make this interactive for yourself. One of the great things that happens at five o'clock here at the church, I love five o'clock here at the church. It's because there's the bells that toll from our campus and the great hymns, the great songs of our tradition ring out through this community in this area. And so on this beautiful day, I'm going to ask for you to join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Our gracious and loving father, thank you for this time to gather as a church, as a community for the hundreds of people that represent Peachtree and want to see a way forward and for us to communicate effectively. Be with us even as we are scattered and may we be united to you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've called this Grace Moments with Pastor Rich because we feel like we wanna have a midweek connection point, anything that we can do to be able to stay informed, stay connected and stay grounded. Um, we, we believe that that image of moments of grace is really important. There was an author by the name of Frederick Beekner who had this great quote from a book that as soon as I read it, I started to memorize it. It said this, listen to your life, see it for the fathomless mystery that it is in the boredom, in the pain of it, much less in the excitement and the gladness of it. Touch, taste, and smell your way to the holy and hidden part of it. Because in the end, all moments are key moments, and life itself is grace. All moments are key moments, and life itself is grace. So if we're really looking at our lives, if we're really seeing them from the way that God sees them, we'll see them for the fathomless mystery that it is, and that every moment of life is a gift. It's a gift of grace. And so we want to make sure that we're savoring those moments of grace, even in the midst of the challenges, the suffering, and the difficulties of what we are going through. And so one of the things that for us that we've taught over the last couple of years is that grace is not merely just an idea, it's a way of life. And so if you've been around Peachtree for a while, you know that we've talked about grace as kind of an acronym for a life that's more grateful, more available, more curious, and more encouraging. Grateful, available, curious, and encouraging. And those attributes apply to our relationship with God as much as they apply to our relationship with one another. I don't know about you, but I think we need more and more grace in our lives and that we need to exhibit more and more grace as we go through this particularly challenging portion of the road ahead. And so we're going to kind of use grace as our framework to be able to talk about a variety of things. But I want to start with um, some fun things, some fun things. This is meant to be kind of more personal of an interaction. And so I thought it'd be fun to kick off 
and for us to start by just let me show you some pictures, some pictures of my family, do some introductions. Don't want to take for granted that you may not know um, kind of my family all that well. So I'm going to share my screen and we're going to, I'm going to give you some uh, imagery that I wanted to see. This is, this is my family here. Hope you're appreciating that we are a family that likes to have fun. This was pirate night on a cruise ship that we got to go on. And so the family that plays together is the family that stays together. Here are our sweet girls, Danica, um, who's the taller of the two, and Ashby both wearing their peach tree winter retreat swag, very active in the youth group. When I introduce each of them to you, well, first, this is what they look like in their natural habitat. This is, this is Danica and Ashby when they're not posing for a picture. They're typical teenagers. They are alone together. Um, this is Danica. She is uh, holding a very large iguana that is called Charlie. Charlie was not able to come home with us, and that made Danica really sad, but we're, we're glad that Char Charlie stayed in his natural habitat. Danica loves golf. Um, she loves school and being with her friends. Here is a picture of Ashby in her natural habitat. This is Ashby, who's in ninth grade. Danica's in 10th. And I love this picture about Ashby. She was trying to take pictures of the birds for a photography class. Ashby is an artist and she loves to take pictures. I love how Austin is like staring at the birds at the same time. But I think Austin, the dog, has different ideas and motivations for seeing the birds. I think he has something else in mind if he could catch one. Uh, here's a picture of Kelly, uh, my beloved wife. Um, Kelly loves to get stuff done. But one of the things that we say about Kelly is that she is surprisingly fun at parties. So she has a light side that, that comes out. And here's the two of us on a date recently in an Italian restaurant, back when you could go to restaurants and that you could do that. And then of course, this beautiful little guy, Austin, he loves, in fact, he would rather ride in the car than he would take a walk. He, I mean, if he hears you pick up the car keys, he just chases to the back door. And I wanted to show you something. This is just a funny little video of Austin. Austin snores like an old man and I caught it on video and I, I, want, you, I want you to see this. So let's get this going here. Austin, uh, Kelly says, snores um, proportionally louder than I do, but she also says that, um, that I'm the one who actually snores louder in terms of volume. So I'm going to pull you back to me and um, want to walk through uh, some stuff together. Uh, remember, our outline is grateful, available, curious, and encouraging. I want to start out with some things that um, I'm grateful for. I'd love in the chat feature of this, to make this kind of an open-eyed prayer of thanksgiving, um, everything we know from science and from our, our deep, deep abiding Christian faith is that remembering the good things, the blessings that God has given to you, we're, we're to pray in all situations and all times with, with thanksgiving and to do that continually. So in the chat feature, if there are specific things that you're grateful for, I would love um, for you to be able to chat. And if you're just joining us, if you're a new participant, we've got the Q&A on one side. 
um, where you can ask your questions. You won't be able to see those. We're going to get to those in a few minutes. Um, but we're but the chat feature everybody could see. We want to make this interactive. And as we talk about things that we're grateful for, I want to give you a couple of things that I'm grateful for. Some of them silly, some of them serious. And uh, make the chat feature some uh, some things that you're really grateful to God for, and kind of share this. I, I know when when we go around the table as a family and we share things that we're grateful for, I'm really. Um, I'm really blessed by getting to hear what other people are grateful for. It helps to almost expand my heart and my soul when I find the other things that people are grateful for. I love seeing those come in. Here's a couple of things that I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for spring. I'm grateful for health. I'm grateful for walks. Uh, I'm grateful for the creativity of my wife um, to break up some of the monotony of eating at the same table every night and not just having the same food, she's allowing the kids to pick theme nights and the kids are having to cook and she's helping them to prepare the menu. Our, her uh, youngest daughter, Ashby, is a huge fan of Korean pop music, K-pop music. So last night was K-pop night and we had Korean barbecue kind of food that we cooked um, and, and she had decorated the whole area with K-pop swag and made us watch K-pop videos during dinner. So I'm so, I'm so encouraged by that. And the other thing we did is then we went down downstairs to the basement uh, where we have a Wii gaming unit and we played Just Dance. And um, if enough people encourage me, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do a little uh, a video of the Conworshers dancing to Just Dance. Um, I don't know if that would be a blessing to our community or not. Um, but just saying, I won one of the dance. I beat all three girls. Not every time, but but one time. It was a Cardi B song for anybody who's a huge Cardi B song. I didn't even know who Cardi B was for that matter till, till last night. Anyhow, uh, other things I'm creative for, uh, grateful for. I'm grateful for J.R.R. Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings. And it occurred to me the other day that my children had never seen the movies The Lord of the Rings. So a couple of days ago, we pulled up the first movie. And we watched it and I'm moved by Gandalf and the adventure and the sacrifice. What I wasn't prepared for is that watching that movie with teenage girls, the most common comment that I got was, was how incredibly good looking the elf character is in the Lord of the Rings movie. That's not the point of the movie. They were not getting, they were not picking up what I was putting down. They were not getting what I wanted them to be able to experience in that moment. But you know, maybe they're, maybe they're not wrong. I'm grateful for card games. I don't know if you're grateful for little moments where you don't have the media on. And uh, we, we like to play hearts a lot. But my favorite card game, if you want to buy this on Amazon or, or whatnot, if you haven't played this game, is called Monopoly Deal. It is the greatest card game. It is all of the pleasure of Monopoly without the board and having to take four hours out of your life to play the game of Monopoly. So I'm just saying, if that, that might be a word of the Lord for you, that you needed a good card game to be able to play right now, Monopoly deal, I'm telling you, it'll change your life, people. It'll change your life, especially when you get to wipe your daughters out completely clean of cash and property. It's a, there's nothing better than that moment right there. Okay. All right. So those are things I'm grateful for, but Oh, one little thing I'm grateful for that's serious is my best friend from college. I mean, can you imagine on a few days after all of this 
tidal wave of change broke. So on March 20th, so not within this last week, uh, Gabe and Jenny had their second child and they're in the hospital. And for a safe delivery of getting to go to the hospital and getting to do that well, I'm so grateful. My biggest prayer of gratitude right now is for, um, for the medical personnel in our life. Incredible, the sacrifice of those workers who are rushing into buildings, knowing that they're dealing with infected people and how they are so committed to the vow of protecting life. It is incredible as a follower of Jesus Christ, as someone who values life, um, what people are doing right now. And so I love getting to see all of these gratitudes, everything from grateful for Zoom and a sunny day and the sunshine um, I'm loving Rumi Cube. Totally agree. Rumi Cube is a, a, a gift from God as well for the ability to laugh. Um, I, I love these uh, outside time with the dog. I've never been more grateful for having a dog. In fact, there was a great comedy radio show the other day that said um, that said that um, we know what caused this epidemic. It was the dogs because dogs are apparently not vulnerable to this virus at all. They can't get it. And now all of the sudden, all of their owners and masters and family, they have to be home. And so we know that the dogs are the ones that are behind this, this grand conspiracy. So I love seeing all of these things. And if you want to take grateful to a whole new level, um, I really encourage you to, um, Cho is starting a new initiative where you can get on their social media pages, like their Facebook page, and you can send... Uh, a short video of gratitude to them. So anything that would bring their kids a smile because people can't come into the hospital right now to encourage the kids. And so I would really, um, I would really encourage you to take a step of gratitude and to maybe hop on the computer. If you have a funny little pet video or, I mean, I, I really think the internet was invented and perfected, you know, for cat videos, not a huge cat fan myself, more of a dog, but cats do the darndest things on video. And so I love getting to, um, getting to see those little videos. Anything we can pass along to encourage the, the patients and the staff of, of CHOA would be, would be a great, great blessing. Well, um, I wanna move from things that I'm grateful for and keep those prayers of gratitude. And um, I wanna talk about availability and part of what, part of what I want to do is to just be available to you for your questions. So some of these questions are starting to come in, feel free. We're going to have kind of an open Q and a for, um, for this time. And so we're going to take some of these questions. And again, these questions can be about the church itself. They can be about kind of the Atlanta community. Um, they can be about questions you're wrestling with, with faith. And again, they can be anonymous or as well as together. But this is the primary thing I want to do is to try to figure this out. Um, somebody here asks about, can we do anything about a safe blood drive? I just read today, um, heard today for the first time that, you know, that blood drives, uh, that, that hospitals are already in need of blood. And so, so I think that that's a, a great suggestion. I just don't know logistically with it being such a fresh request, if we're going to be able to do that with, um, with the kind of the protocols that would be necessary in order to accomplish that. So I'm sure we'll have people who are reaching out to the American Red Cross and, 
you know, to figure out. I've been a blood donor several times. I know some of you can, some of you can't. Um, and, you know, obviously if there is anything we can do to help to promote life and to do it safely, we, we will look, we will look into that. And so we'll, we'll check out to see what can be possible. Um, I spoke with, if you saw this on Sunday, there was a short excerpt of a great time in video with Dr. Daria Gillespie. And in fact, um, right now we've posted to our website, the full video. I hope you'll scroll down on the main page and you can see that it was 20 minutes of really important perspective from an ER doctor about what's going on in terms of advice. And, and one of the things that I loved that she said, so I hope you'll check it out. The whole thing is, is the fact that staying at home and staying out of harm's way is doing something. It doesn't feel like you're doing something. It feels helpless, but the slow advance of this disease really is uh, doing something. And we ought to look at other things like the possibility of a safe blood drive, if that's possible. Um, there's a great anonymous question here about how do you know or when do you know when your head and your heart are disconnected? You know it, God's at work in your head, but you aren't feeling connected to God and your heart. That is a really, really important question. When the Bible, uh, kind of like the golden thread of the Bible is that God is with us. And here's what you need to know. God is with you. God is with us, even when you don't feel it. And so there's a difference between the theological reality and the theological truth that, that God is with you, regardless of whether you, you have that feeling or not. Way too many of us worship kind of the feeling of the way that our faith makes us kind of feel as opposed to the reality that's behind that feeling. And so I wouldn't be terribly anxious. I'd give yourself a lot of grace right now if intellectually and convictionally you believe that God's with you and that God's there and that God is still on the throne of all of creation. At the same time, give yourself some grace to let your heart catch back up with your head. Because sometimes in my experience, personal experience with faith, sometimes my head is leading my heart and sometimes my heart is leading my head. So sometimes I feel connected to God, but I have my doubts. And at other times I um, you know, it's the other way around. So, so I would, I think it's a really important question and I would allow, um, allow that portion that's lagging behind to, to catch up and just stay true to the practices and the disciplines, just even confessing that to a friend and asking somebody to pray for you over zoom might really be a good kind of good, um, kind of solution to a step in the right direction. Um, got a com a comment here about somebody asking, um, how important is it to continue to financially support our church while, while we're away? I can tell you it's incredibly important. The most common question that I get from a leadership standpoint is what's happening to all the nursery workers, the bus drivers, the, you know, the uh, custodians that we have, all the beloved staff team. I mean, some of, the, some of the people that I get to work with, guys have been working at this church for 30 years or more. It's incredible some of the dedication at all levels of the organization. And, you know, the church has made the commitment through this month and will continue to evaluate that commitment that even if we're closed to, to be able to pay our employees and um, but we can't do that without your help. And, and so this church has been so faithful and we're doing, and I'm going to talk about this at the end a little more, 
we're doing some amazing things in our city. Um, I think God's doing something remarkable in the midst of the struggle of we're going through. I think there's going to be some remarkable things that happen. You can go to peachtreechurch.com slash give and go to the homepage. There's ways to continue to, to support um, not just the congregation, but the work of the ministry of the gospel. Um, I think we had a hope a hopelessness epidemic before we had the COVID-19 epidemic. And I think the, the, the presence of the viral epidemic only exacerbates the hopelessness that people were feeling and the isolation that was already, already there. Um, there's a question here about, you know, anything we can do in our neighborhood groups, um, red dot communities to help out our neighbors and friends. We are systematizing some means by which if you have the ability to be able to help your neighbors. Um, we're gonna try to do some things. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that at the end, but at the, um, but at the same time here, um, don't hesitate to just, you know, to reach out to your neighbors. Hopefully you're using this as an excuse to have cell phones and to be able to reach out to your neighbors. Are you doing okay? Do you need anything? Like I know for us, um, one of our close neighbors has a young boy that's got leukemia. And so he's immunocompromised. And so, I mean, what's going on right now of him is an even more imminent and dangerous threat. And so we try to check in on them and make sure that, that they're okay. I hope you're doing that informally. And then we're gonna talk about ways to help to systematize that. Um, we've got a great um, question about how are the, the, you know, the teams of people, the custodians and nursery workers and things like that, how are they doing? To our knowledge, everybody is well. Um, to our knowledge, nobody from our staff team is, um, has uh, tested positive or is exhibiting the symptoms um, of the virus right now. So we, we hear good reports, but certainly people are anxious about the situation. And there were other concerns for our staff team as well as our congregation. I mean, one of the interesting dynamics is that life doesn't get put on hold of the other struggles that people have, the other illnesses. There's people who are going through cancer and their treatments and all different kinds of things. So, um, so you know, life continues to be a joy and a struggle for all of us as, as we gone, uh, go through. Um, uh, there's a question about, is there anybody in the church that uh, has gotten COVID-19 and can we pray for them? To our knowledge, we know that there's uh, some people who might be concerned, but to our knowledge, there's there's nobody that's confirmed with a case in the congregation right now. And obviously we wouldn't share names and we would honor people's privacy, but do pray for the, the congregation. Um, there's a church leader by the name of Ed Setzer who said it best. He said, um, within one week, everybody is going to know personally someone who is infected when you look at the growth rates of the disease. And within two weeks, everybody is gonna know somebody who has died from COVID-19. And, and those are just the mathematical statistical facts. One of the things that's about to change is the journey of grief that we're about to walk on, even with the safeguarding that everybody's attempting to do with social distancing and shelter in place. Um, the growth of the disease is so great that it will, it will reach our community in very personal, personal ways. Um, you know, it's interesting. One of our staff members has submitted a question here about, you know, is this the end of times? I, I agree with that staff person that I'm I've even having 
safe distance conversations in the neighborhood where you're walking the dog and somebody at eight feet away says, hey, do you think that this is the end? Um, I, I grew up in Waco, Texas, so I know what it means to be a part of a community that fervently is anxious about the end times. And I remember my childhood pastor saying at one time when there was a flare up of that, of like, Rich, the Bible says that Jesus will come like a thief in the night and thieves don't ever come over and give you a heads up that something is about to happen. Um, you know, we do not know the day or the hour uh, by which father holds all of time and eternity in his hands. And as Christians, we do believe not in the cyclical nature of time, but in a linear understanding of time and that God is in charge of that journey towards eternity. And um, uh, so we do believe that in Christ's triumph in the final restoration and what that will be like, um, but we will never know. And so it's not helpful to speculate about that. It's more helpful to what the Bible commands us to do is not to speculate. In fact, the Bible commands us to, to be ready. And so we're to be vigilant and patient all at the same time about God's gratefulness and what he's doing as the, his kingdom comes on earth as, as it is in heaven. Um, there's a great question here about how our church is supporting the community. And it's a variety of ways. That's exactly what I want to talk about when we get a little closer to the end uh, there's a question here, um, anonymous, about, about Easter. There's not a plan for Easter right now. Um, certainly with the city's announcement about the 15-day, 14-day shelter in place, um, that takes us closer and closer to Easter. We will continue to monitor the situation, to pay attention to what our government officials, as well as our state officials of you know national, state, and local officials talk about, as well as what the CDC and the World Health Organization would tell us. So we'll monitor all of those things. Um, there's a session meeting coming up, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that and what we think the options are. So we, that's a yet to be determined. Obviously, if there's any way that we felt like we could safely, even a modified form, host Easter, of course, we want to be able to do so. That's the desire, but um, but you know it you know signaling that it does not appear that things are going to change on a timetable where a wide scale gathering would be wise. So we're just monitoring it. We'll continue to um, to look at it. Um, there is there a list uh, to be on to help senior church members as a question or anyone who needs help with groceries. Uh, yes, there's. Uh, Claire Townsend on our church staff is centralizing this effort. And, um, um, and so we'll make sure that we will through our program notes, because one of the things, anything we kind of make reference to in this, we're going to put on the website and we'll make sure you have that email address and uh, access to being able to get in touch with Claire Townsend, because there are just great saints in the church who are not only doing the informal thing of going to their neighbors and checking on them and shopping for them, but there have been specific requests, particularly from our grand adults, our senior adult community, to be able to, to reach out and to um, make sure that they have the tangible things they, they need. Um, the, one of the things that we're doing is, um, is that we're trying to stay connected to one another with new forms of communication. And there's, there's a question here about um, trying to stay stay connected, um, and and so we're going to try to make sure that we just be able to 
find ways to stay closer and connected to you through some different tools. Even a little later this week, I'm having to launch my own uh, Pastor Rich uh, Instagram page and Twitter feed so that I can give you shorter bursts of information in between like Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, ways that we can stay um, stay connected to one another. Um, uh, there's a question here about without Sunday services, how is cash flow? Do we really need to front load or expedite our monthly tithes and offerings? I would say, I would say anything that you can do to support um, the effort and the work of the church within the reasonableness of your own cash flows is, uh, would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, there's, there's a question here. I love this question from Kristen. She says, in the age of social media and anxiety, I'm challenged by whether I'm being an apologist, a witness to the faith, or being judgmental towards others. I, don't, I work not to judge, but I want to defend the, the faith with love. Any recommendations and thoughts for that? Kristen, that's a fantastic question. One of our values at Peachtree is based out of a passage in 1 Peter where it says, always be ready to have a defense for the hope that you believe in but always do so both with gentleness and in reverence. And so one of the things that I find that's most helpful is that gentle reverence, holding on to the high view of the holiness and the, the sovereignty of God and the uniqueness of the gospel and that with the gentleness of the gospel. So um, another paradigm for this would be John chapter eight, where the, the person is caught in the act of adultery and Jesus has that, twin engines of neither do I condemn you and also go and sin no more. And so speaking the truth in love, finding that balance and that dialectic, that tension of being able to stay true to what we believe, but always having it clothed in compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness, um, remembering that God has forgiven you. So all those great passages about what does it mean to live out the gospel and not just proclaim the gospel in this time. And there's that great phrase, preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. People will remember in particular how the church responded in this time of crisis. And, it, and certainly our words of encouragement and our words of pointing to the truth of the gospel and the hope that we so firmly believe in, that anchor for the soul, at the same time, we also know that um, we know that there's we know there's more to the story, and that we can rest in the the actions of loving our neighbors, loving our community, responding with compassion and mercies. Um, there's a great question here about um, that the pastors and the leaders are always committed to praying for us. How can we pray for for you and the team? I, I think the, I mean, I would pray for health of the team so that we can serve faithfully. I also think um, that you could help us to pray for creatively, um, you know, to, to go through, I, I can't think of a single time in my 20 plus years as pastoral ministry to go through a season of having to, on a dime, change ministry models and to try to do so effectively. So all of a sudden, all of our gatherings completely stopped. So much of our ministry is incarnational. I mean, we believe in incarnational ministry that it's in the flesh. And now all of a sudden we have these limitations of being able to do that. So I think praying for the faithfulness of the staff as we try to navigate those 
just uncharted waters of what does it mean to do ministry. We want to stay connected with you. We want to stay engaged with you. Um, and to get the, um, to get the work of ministry continuing, even though it's under these new um, constraints. And uh, so there's a question here uh, of how best should we pray and what scriptures are best in these times. Uh, I find the Psalms are best. I mean, you can, I don't think you can go wrong in the garden of God's word to pull a bouquet, but for me, the Psalms provide the highest of highs of praise and they pray and then they also give this language for the lowest of lows they they remind me that it's okay to to be angry but also the importance of being still um uh, of trusting in the lord one of the great themes of of all that comes from the psalms the necessity of prayer um there's a lot of things that have stopped but prayer will never be stopped it will never be thwarted and so the psalms kind of give language to our prayers. It was the it was the prayer book of of Jesus. Uh, there's a question of here of who are some of your favorite non theological writers. I'm always looking for good books, and now I have time to read. Uh, well, one thing I would encourage you to look at for that is I think it's still on our website. We have our top 100 books to read in a lifetime, and some of those are theological books, Christian books, and some of those are novels. So you can find some of that on our website about kind of some of what some of my favorite novels are. And um, so they're, they're posted there. We'll get a link out to some of those things. Um, I, there's an anonymous question here about, I know you have a queue of sermons and lessons and series. Um, I'd love to hear some more about why bad things happen to good people. Uh, why does God allow suffering? Certainly that's going to be a topic we're addressing. Um, as of two weeks ago, I didn't have a series and I don't have a plan for a series. I had a plan and I threw that whole thing out the window. It's gone. And because um, nobody could have anticipated. Um, I'm with a group of pastors and help out to shepherd some younger pastors. And I've told all of them, if you're working on your sermon before Friday right now, you're an idiot because things can change so quickly even in the span of the you know, 48 hours, there's no way even for me to sit down on Monday and anticipate where we are. Now that'll change where I get back to the faithfulness of, I do long range planning in the summer and heavy lifting of you know, doing the research and things like that. And it, it's a long arc, we'll get back to that. But right now we're having to be flexible and we're having to be um, uh, responsive to what's happening in the community. and my learning curve spiritually as well as a leader in other ways is so steep right now. And so, um, so I think that's one of those things where we want to, we want to participate in, you know, just being flexible and responsive to what God is doing. Uh, there's a great anonymous question here about what do you do to, re to reduce stress during these trying times? The Bible's clear answer to that is, um, the opposite of anxiety and worry is prayer, that they occupy the same real estate in your heart and your soul. And, and so when you start to feel that prompt of anxiety, um, that's where, when you need to, to pray. And that can be a prayer of meditation where there's a scripture that you recite over again. You're still before God as a form of prayer and listening um, it can be prayer in terms of sharing to God, kind of confessing to God your fears and allowing him to take those away. Uh, the, the scripture also tells us the only thing that takes away fear is the perfect love. 
and God's unconditional perfect love comes from above. And I believe that he can give that to each and every one of us um, in, in an instant, in a moment. And as far as techniques in prayer, I'm sure we'll be talking some more about that. I also think just having an overall perspective on not just trusting God, but a, a holistic perspective on your life. When it's a beautiful day like this, really go take a walk, get some sunshine, um, make sure you're eating well, make sure you're sleeping well, paying attention. Like when Elijah um, was afraid of Queen Jezebel and was on the run, um, he's in the wilderness, angels came and attended to him and he got back to the basics. He ate, he drank, and he slept, and he walked, and he ate, and he drank, and he slept, and he walked. And, and I love that part of the Bible because it reminds me of when you go through those periods of worry and anxiety and fear and you want to flee, that that's when we get back to those basics. Um, there are, uh, there's another question here uh, that people are saying that God's, this is God's way of getting us to slow down and pay more attention to him. There, um, the things are important in life to perspective. Would you agree with that? Yes and no. I do believe that one of the ways that God will use that is that we are having to slow down. This is an imposed Shabbat in Hebrew. This is an imposed Sabbath on many of us. I don't believe that the reason why God, uh, that we're going through this is that God sent us so that we would slow down. I believe that God weaves good out of our suffering. I don't believe that God's up in heaven with um, a, a magic wand saying, you know what this world needs? This world needs a good epidemic um, to, to kind of wake itself up. I don't believe that's the intent behind it. So I agree that that's one of the, the silver linings of the way that God is redeeming our suffering together without it saying that that was the motive behind what we're going through at such a time as this. Um, there's a, a question here about, um, I feel like you were brought to Atlanta and Peachtree for such a time as this. Do you believe that God has prepared you for this? Um, anybody who says they're prepared for this is kidding themselves. I mean, just honestly. Um, I, know, I know that um, this was not a plan that any of us had. One, a, a leader has written in an article, he said, whatever your vision deck was, by the time you get to PowerPoint side three, you're throwing the rest of that away right now. Um, so the way that this affects us, having said that, I do believe that this is a part of my call. I am so grateful to be with you. I can't imagine not being your pastor going through this. And there's a part of my call that just feels like it's uh, thriving and alive in the phone conversations and being able to enter into the difficult conversations and prayer as I talk to business leaders and others as we, as we go through this um, together. And so I do believe that, um, that it is a part of God's great design of the chess moving of pieces for us to be able to be together in this time. And so I'm grateful. I'm honored to be your pastor. I will also say, I do feel like I am drawing off of the the crises that I have been through um, in 9-11 in the New York City area, in a city where refugees flooded after post-Katrina. So it's not the first disaster, but I will say this is unlike any of those things, even as big as, as those things. Going to take a couple more questions here before we start to move on. And that is, uh, there's a question here about um, any tips for talking to young children about all that's going on. 
Yeah, I, I believe that as a parent, depending on their age, you have to start preparing them for, um, for the journey of grief that we're about to walk on. And you want to be realistic and hopeful all at the same time. And that's a delicate balancing act to try to do both of those things um, together. I think it would be, you know, you know, you don't want to give them more than they can handle. Like biblically speaking, casting pearls before swine. It's not that pigs were unworthy of pearls. It's that that pearls are no good for pigs. What pigs need was they would be need, need to be fed. In the same way, think of what what is helpful for my child right now. What can they absorb? What do they need to know as we go through this um, together? Chuck Roberts has sent in a question here saying, are you taking care of yourself? Um, it looks like that you've quit working out. Chuck, I'll be glad to put my Apple Watch next to your Apple Watch and see who had a better run this morning, pal. Anyhow, um, the, anyhow um, I'm going to move us on from those questions. I love you, Chuck, like a brother. I'm talking about curious a little bit. Just a couple of things that we're seeing before we move to some next steps. Um, I'm reading a lot of interesting articles. One of the articles that I've read, I thought was a really helpful analogy of, we don't know what we're about to go through, but we know that this is either a blizzard, it's either a really bad winter, or it's an ice age. And while we wanna hope for the former, we need to start preparing for the latter as a community, as leaders, because we don't know if this is just, hey, a really disruptive month, um, of a really bad storm? Is this going to be a really disruptive winter in terms of really long season of challenge and disruption? And then we also want to look at the, um, you know, the possibility that this could even last, last longer. Uh, the subtitle of the article, which we'll reference in the notes, is you know, how every organization is a startup right now. I mean, you know, in, unless you're Amazon or a couple of other companies you were having to reinvent everything you do. And in fact, one of the, one, somebody, my wife told me this today, I haven't seen the article yet, but she said, did you know that Amazon has stopped shipping books? So I want you to consider that for a moment. Amazon was founded as basically the world's largest bookstore. And now we're so reliant on Amazon sending us essentials and these other things, they're telling publishers, if I understand it correctly, they're telling publishers, we can't ship the books anymore because we have too much stuff going on. You guys are going to have to ship your own books. So people can place an order through Amazon, but it's going to have to be processed by somebody else. And that's incredible to think of for, I don't know how old Amazon is, is it 15 years old or something along those lines, that in that span of time, the very thing they started with is not where they are right now. Um, so it, it's going to be really, really interesting how, um, how we process this. Um, one of my favorite business leaders is a guy by the name of Patrick Lencioni. And I know a lot of you even listening to this right now are managers, business leaders, business owners, that kind of thing. And he had three tips that I just wanted to pass along to you. I just, I was really curious about what he was thinking right now. And he said, um, he said, right now as a leader, what you need to be first is exceedingly human. Don't pretend to know everything. Uh, you need to be vulnerable. You need to be honest. You need to, to make sure that you're having human conversations with your team and with your people right now. And the second thing he says is to be persistent. This is not a time to kind of fade into the background. This is a time to step forward in faith. 
And then the third thing he says is, is to be creative. Um, thinking that you can do ministry the way or do work the way or lead your organization the way that you've always done it. There's no way for us to do business as usual and to think that, um, to think that that's going to be, you know, kind of the right way to go. Those aren't necessarily kind of like um, tried and true um, uh, kind of business practices. As I see a comment here about biblically driven, um, I would actually argue with Patrick Lencioto is a, a devout believer in everything he says is saturated in behind the scenes, even though he doesn't lead with the scriptures is saturated um, by, by the word by the word of God. There's obviously more wisdom to be found than what he's saying. He's just someone who really speaks to me um, in terms of um, for many decades, his, his leadership. So um, the other thing that I was curious about is people who have gone through different things like this and C.S. Lewis, I wanted to share with you a little passage um, as we start to draw to a close. Um, I'm going to tell you some action steps in a few moments. C.S. Lewis has this great, um, this great address that he gave called Learning in Wartime when um, people were saying they shouldn't be in school during the war, they shouldn't be bothering to learn history and art and all that stuff when World War II was going on. And he says this, for this reason, I think it's important to try to see this present calamity in a true perspective. The war creates no absolutely new situation. It simply aggravates the permanent human situation that we can no longer ignore. Human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. Human culture has always had to exist under the shadow of something infinitely more important than itself. If humanity had postponed the search for knowledge and beauty until they were secure, the search would never have begun. We are mistaken when we compare war with normal life. Life has never been normal. Even those periods which we think of as tranquil, like the 19th century, turn out on closer inspection to be full of crises, alarms, difficulties, and so much more. And then he says this, war does do something to death. It forces us to remember it. The only reason why cancer at 60 or paralysis at 75 do not bother us is because we tend to forget them. War makes death real to us. And that would have been regarded as one of its blessings by most of the great Christians of the past. They thought it good for us to always be aware of our mortality. I'm inclined to think that they were right. All the animal life in us, all the schemes of happiness that are centered in this world were always doomed to a final frustration. In ordinary times, only a wise man can realize it. Now the stupid of us knows. We see unmistakably the sort of universe in which we have all along been living and must now come to terms with. If we had foolish, unchristian hopes about human culture, they are now shattered. If we thought we were building up a heaven on earth, if we looked up for something that would turn the present world from a place of pilgrimage into a permanent city, satisfying the soul of man, we are disillusioned. And in his opinion, he says, and not a moment too soon. One of the hopes is that what we're going through reminds us as we go through, and I saw this as a question earlier about Lent, we are going through this season in the season of Lent where we are to remember that we are dust and to dust we shall return. We're to remember the, frail, the frailness of life, the fragility of the gift of life, and that without eternal life, 
we know, we know that this is something uh, that is to remind us of what truly is important as we go through it. So let me just, uh, one last thing on encouragement here on what, where this sends us forward, okay? So here's, here's where we're going to go forward. I want to give you a little bit of a sneak peek into something that we're working on. Our, our initiative of what we're going to be focusing on in the next couple, couple of weeks is going to be called Feeding the 5,000. We believe uh, we want to do that internally and externally. Externally, feeding the 5,000 means, because we know from talking with all of our ministry partners, that the most important resource in the next couple of weeks for our broader community is food security. That there are many of the poor who were not prepared for this, don't have uh, shelves stocked up with food, and are absolutely not prepared for this shelter in place. And we have our ministry partners and the communities that we're dialed in, schools that we're plugged in with, and it's our goal in the next handful of weeks for us to feed 5,000 people. And so that's one of the ways that we want to do it. And you can do that, participate in that um, informally in your own neighborhood. If you know somebody who needs a meal, who needs food, let us know if you're doing that. Um, tag us at Peachtree and let us know of the ministry you're doing. Send us an email. We're going to set up a new email account for this called um, feeding the 5,000 at peachtreechurch.com. We'll put it in the notes, but that's feeding the 5,000, the number 5,000, 5,000, no comma, at peachtreechurch.com. And here's what we mean by feeding the 5,000 internally. We want to make sure that everybody in our congregation, which is roughly about 6,000 people, that everybody in our congregation has someone who is looking out for them. So I'm calling out all um, leaders of the church, informally and formally. I'm, we need 1,000 leaders of Peachtree to want to reach out to 5,000 more peop people in order for us to be checking, uh, checking up on others. We're calling this take five for five. We want you to take five minutes a day, five days a week to check up on one person that we can help you to check up on just to make sure they're okay, to see if they have any needs, to pray for them. And if you're willing to volunteer for that, if you're willing to help us with the feeding of the 5,000, that's feeding the 5,000 at peachtreechurch.com. We want to launch this movement, this initiative and really encourage each and every one of us to be having a handful of people that we're checking up it on. Some of you may say, look, I, I have a little extra time. Maybe I can check up on 10 people a week. That's great. But we don't want to overwhelm people. And we want every person in our church to have some sort of individual who's praying for them, connecting with them, looking out for them. So we want to feed the 5,000, but we also want to make sure we're feeding the flock and tending the flock here at Peachtree. As we close, I'm reminded of the scripture when the feeding of the 5,000 happens in the book of Matthew. And in that scripture, um, the disciples come to Jesus and say, because basically the needs were too overwhelming. Um, they say, Lord, the crowds, let's send them away. It's getting late. They're getting hungry. And Jesus, as this significant shift in his ministry with them, turns to them and says, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And when I reread that passage, I was just convicted by that call of Jesus, um, that in a time when we might want to flee or to hide, um, people do not need to go away. They need to be fed. They need to be cared for. And so that's feeding the 5,000 at peachtreechurch.com. If you want to 
email us, let us know that you're willing to volunteer. We're going to be trying to gather a thousand volunteers to be checking up on five people. Take five minutes a day, five days a week. Um, take five for five. Well, you'll hear more about it. We're going to set up a web page for it to kind of launch our initiative. In addition to that, we're going to feed 5,000 people both here locally and around the world. Um, I just got back from India not that long ago. It was about this la about the month ago now. And I can't fathom as hard as I know that food security is here. They're in a now, as of yesterday, a national lockdown. And I know they do not have store shelves of food in their homes, that they go to the market every day. Um, it's every day only having enough. And I cannot imagine how something like this is going to impact not just America, but our world. And so stay tuned for other encouraging ways with our ministry partners and how we can do that. But we're close to our time here. And so I'm checking my notes to see if there's anything else. I think that's totally got it for the day. Just a reminder about, you know, our Feeding the 5,000 initiative. We're going to try to stay connected with open Q&A. I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to every question, but uh, was able to get to most of them. Um, I love you as your pastor. I'm just so honored to be um, your servant leader as we go through this. And so let me close us in a prayer. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for the chance to gather with hundreds of leaders and to explore the things that make our heart explode with gratitude, to make ourselves available to one another and to you to be in an honest and loving community where we can ask and wrestle with our questions, um, even questions about where are you in the midst of suffering. And we know that we're going to deeply talk about that in the, in the times to come. Lord, we also want to be curious. We want to lean into what we need to learn as leaders, as well as from people like great Christian thinkers like C.S. Lewis, as well as learning from your word about what it means to be able to go through this together and to go through it faithfully. So I pray, God, that you will help us to provide tangible needs of people around us. I pray, God, that you will encourage the the women and men who are rushing into hospitals as nurses and doctors and administrators to care for the sick and for those in need. I pray that you will keep us healthy, you'll keep us strong. And most of all, I pray that as we go through these trials, that you will be more real to us and we will lean on your everlasting arms. And so encourage us, God. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you, everybody. It's great to be together.